Welcome to ClickFunnels Radio, where we go behind the scenes and uncover the tactics and strategies top entrepreneurs are using to make more sales, dominate their markets, and how you can get those same results. Here's your host, Dave Woodward. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to ClickFunnels Radio. I am so excited uh, for a whole bunch of different reasons, uh, but most importantly, because I have the opportunity of talking to Megan Walker. So, Megan, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. So for those of you who don't know, she's, and I want to make sure I get this word right, the, <laughs> the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, you go ahead and tell me what the word is. Anthropologist. Anthropologist. There you go. Uh, it has so many different things to it. Uh, I'm, again, we, you and I were just talking, we started, I started doing the recording here about this crazy cancer stuff I'm going through right now at the same time, all of your amazing things that you're doing with entrepreneurs, with business owners, with mindset, with health, and I think and people's own own business. And I think those three things, as far as how do you actually deal with business? How do you deal with the mindset? How do you deal with your health? I'm excited to kind of go through that with you right now. Um, I think this whole idea as far as that the focus on your the productivity with your soul uh, mm -hmm. is a such a great thing. And no matter where, where you are as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you're trying to figure this thing out. Those are the things that actually do matter. And I think that so often people, they don't understand the importance. You can't just be all in just business or all in on just health or all in on just mindset. And I love the idea of how do you actually optimize all three? So with that, Megan, welcome to the show again. And I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. Uh, I'm totally jazzed to jump into this conversation. I feel like hanging out at that intersection of those three pieces really is sort of the coming together of my of my life's work and purpose. So um, I'm I'm all yours, Dave. <laughs> Again, I know you're you're a physician and doctor, and you've got all that uh, behind you, or as far as all that experience. At the same time, you're the entrepreneur, and so it's it's rare that you get both those coming together. So I'm very very excited and appreciate your experience in getting to that point. So if you don't mind, tell people a little bit about what, how do you combine those two? Yeah, well, you know, I'll take it way back because I feel like I was an entrepreneur first. I was fired from my first and only job, uh, which I feel like is a common story for <laughs> for so many entrepreneurs, maybe not, but it feels so common to me now. Um, and I started my own uh, cottage cleaning business while I was in high school. And so we'd go up to the cottage in the summer and and I was like, I, well, I need to find a job now that I've been fired from mine. It was not an option to, to sit and enjoy my summer as it were. And I thought people on the island are going to need their cottages cleaned too. They're up here for the summer. And so I approached all these islanders and, and long and short over the course of four years, built up this business with 11 different people working for us. And I went, oh my gosh, like why? Why would I ever have a job ever again? And so I was still in high school. I had my own health, uh, my own health, health issue while I was in high school. And I saw a naturopathic doctor. And I was so struck by the nature of their questioning when I went to see them. They said to me, they weren't interested in, you know, the, the series of symptoms I'd experienced over the course of the last week or 72 hours. They said, Megan, tell me how your body has always and historically responded to stress. And I don't know what my answer was, and it doesn't even matter, but the, the nature of the questioning, this idea of going upstream to understand the root cause of the problem was so compelling to me that I kind of had this entrepreneurship thing in my backpack. And I went, I've got to explore the system of medicine. I'm so interested in the framework of this upstream thinking. 
as it pertains in this case to health. But frankly, what it means is, is, you know, I'm really interested in upstream thinking in all elements of the things that I do in my life. So I, you know, I, 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 I studied biology. I went and did uh, postgraduate work in, in doing my doctorate in naturopathic medicine. I opened a clinic, I did all these things. And then I, I looked around and went, this is really amazing, but how do we put this hand, this system of medicine in the hands of millions of people? I can't do that with my practice alone. And simultaneously, I had colleagues saying, you know, Megan, how are you building your business? And, and how do you have this framework? And how do you talk to people about where to go next? And it was so intuitive to me on how to, how to build that and how to communicate with people to, to align business and, and my practice. And that I realized helping my colleagues scale their businesses and their impact was how we were going to reach millions of people. And so I eventually, I retired completely from clinical practice. I started to help practitioners uh, scale their businesses. Um, but while I was still in practice and while I was working with these practitioners, I realized that what I also really love to talk about was this sort of this intersection of how do we build a business and how do we have impact, but how do we make sure that we preserve our own health and our own integrity and this concept of balance uh, alongside. So I've had this really unique opportunity to be in the clinical weeds, as it were, to, to build a, a scaled business on the other side, but be extremely mindful as I'm doing that, how not to lose myself in the process. I love it. Let's dive, when you start taking a look at, at focusing on those three things, how do you juggle all three? I mean, I, again, we can use myself as this crazy roller, roller coaster type of thing. And uh, there've been many times in my life where everything was just, the primary focus was just business, business, business. Right. There's other times where it's like, you know what? I just, I need to get away from this. I need to have more of a spiritual standpoint. I need to have more of a mindset. I need to be able to focus on that. And then unfortunately right now, one of the main things I've been dealing with is health at the same time. And so it's uh it's one of those things that uh, I know you need to juggle all three. I'm just kind of curious. I love the, how you said, not just juggling, but optimizing. So how do you actually optimize the three of them? Yeah, well, I, you know, I want to acknowledge that there are seasons. So, you know, even when I would have entrepreneurs in my practice, they would say to me, I'm coming to see you because I need a naturopath who's not going to tell me my job is killing me and I can't be an entrepreneur anymore. And I would say, here's the deal. I'm going to keep you alive for the next six months while you're doing your, your you know, your series B. And then you owe me on the other side of that. That's where we're going to lean back into balance. So, you know, I think part of balance is understanding that there's times where we lean in, we, we create, you know, strain or stress within our system. But what the counterbalance to that is, is the recovery periods and how we are mindful of that recovery. So this notion of entrepreneurship where I'm all business all the time and I lean in and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll rest when I'm dead. Um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It just, it doesn't work. We all burn out at some point, even if you think you're the exception to the rule, you may have a longer runway, but it doesn't work. And so I think on the macro for any of these different, uh, these different elements, there's the, the lean in part, there's the all in, and then there's the counterbalance, which is the recovery. And that can happen through, you know, over the course of six months, it can happen over the course of, you know, a month of intensive work, three years of intensive yeah. work. We need that counterbalance. And then I think it happens also on, on a daily basis. Basis. So, you know, I'm in a season right now where I'm, I'm, I'm busier with work and I, I can see the trajectory of that carrying on for the next nine months. So I make sure that the counterbalance to that not only is a light at the end of the tunnel, but I have 
I have breaks built into that marathon that I am running right now. And I also have times for recovery throughout the course of my day. So my morning is a really sacred intentional time for me. I've got three young kids under the age of, of 10. I, I understand that at a moment's notice, my sacred morning can be entirely <laughs> disrupted, but that's part of the expectations that I bring to the game. And they know that this is a time that's important to me. And you know what? 75% of the time I can, I can enjoy it and I can really benefit from it. And 24, 5% of the time it's a gong show. Um, and I, I roll with that. So I've made those expectations with myself. I've set those boundaries, uh, with my family. So I get these micro recoveries in these macro moments. And, you know, I don't, I don't feel like, you know, there's a perfect, there's a perfect formula for balance. It's going to, it's going to be changing on a given day. And as you alluded to our, our life provides us with, with new priorities, sometimes ones we didn't plan for. And so it's having that flexibility, but recognizing that the counterbalance needs to be uh, in place that I think has been tremendously instrumental for me and uh, my patients in finding that, uh, that course. Oh man, I totally appreciate that. I can tell you for me, uh, the one thing I've realized is how important the mornings are. So I'm kind of curious. I know you don't get them all every, every day. I get that. What's your morning look like? Yeah. So I try all of it's predicated on getting the right amount of sleep. So I will say, I think a morning routine actually starts the night before and how you set it up and having the discipline to actually go to bed. I feel like all of this falls apart if we don't do that. So assuming that those things all happen, you know, I get up around a quarter to six in the morning, I sneak into, uh, the kitchen. Um, and that's a space where I can meditate. Cause I can, I do the mom things. I also like flip on the oven so that it's going so I can make breakfast later. Like I don't, time's not linear to me. It is always stacked. And so I get those pieces done. And then I sit and I, um, I usually sit in some series of meditation or learning like more learning around mindset, um, and leaning into that, uh, deeper piece. And then I try to have half an hour where I get to do really deep work. So right now I'm working on editing my book and that's, it's, it is a, it's a no-go space as it were to the point that my five-year-old came in the kitchen the other morning and I laid, like I leaned to the right. So she couldn't see me. So she went and found my husband instead. Like it is super sacred, uh, super sacred to me. So I really use that first, uh, that first hour I get their lunches ready. Cause that's part of, that's part of my commitment and role in my family, uh, to do that piece. And then my husband takes over, I work out and then we both try to get ready and out the door with our kids, uh, at the same time. So I try to get that. I try to get that spiritual work. I try to get some really deep project, um, some attention and I try to exercise and move my body because it is, it's a free for all, uh, after those first three hours. Um, no, I totally appreciate that. I think that's awesome. So as you take a look at this idea of, of, I love the term as far as optimize, that's really Mm -hmm. what it comes down to. It's very hard to be on top of everything. Yes. And so it's more a matter of how do I optimize? this half hour or this hour or this three hour, whatever the block is. Right. When you take a look at that, um, if you wouldn't mind, look at just those three things. What are the, how do you actually optimize your business? How do you optimize your mindset? And then how do you optimize your health? And I know for myself, it's not one of those things where, you know what, there's 24 hours in a day and we're going to get each of those get eight hours or whatever. It it doesn't work that way for me. So I'm just kind of curious, um, how do you juggle all three of them and optimize them? Yeah. So I've, I've become really, um, diligent in how I 
orchestrate and plan my time. And I resisted this for a long time. I was like, the more scheduled I am, I don't have creativity. I can't get into flow. Like I feel like there's blocks in my, I had all the stories as to why this was an issue until I decided to just surrender and lean into this notion of, of how do I plan my day and how do I plan my time? Um, and that was a game changer for me. I actually realized the more boundaries I had around my time and the more rigid I was in how I structured uh, my working time, the more flexibility I had when it came to, you know, hanging out with my kids and truly being free from the, the constant thinking of my, of my business or the other problems and responsibilities that I had in my life. I was really clear that when I was with my kids and with my family, the, the, the boundary of that time had stopped, even though I was able to, and was working so frequently from home. So organizing my time was really important. The other thing that, that was instrumental to this was being in command of my state. So being really mindful of the, of the mindset and state that I brought to it. So, you know, it's easy to get up in the morning and scroll through Instagram or to get engaged in, in the Twitter wars as it were, or, you know, things that, things that stir you on a physiological level, but don't serve you on that level. So I got really clear on what things I do that drive me and put me in a state that enables me to be highly productive and highly optimized versus the things that really pulled me off of that, how I timed my day with respect to, uh, email, how I answered, you know, text messages and, uh, what streams of communication had direct access to me versus my team. And I really started to, to get very clear on how I wanted to feel and how I needed to feel throughout the course of the day to be effective. And I'm a big proponent of this idea of how to have my cake and eat it too. And so what I realized is for me to do all these things and be the person I wanted to be simultaneously, I had to make strategic decisions in my life and in my business so that I could hold space for those things that were my strongest skill. And so I, I, you know, I delegate a lot of stuff. I've, I've someone come in who helps, you know, cook for our, our family. And I have, uh, I have a team that handles all sorts of micro communication for me because all of these things were pulling me out of state and in my, in my zone of genius. And I relinquished the, you know, the shoulds and the guilt and the stuff around what I am supposed to do. Cause I realized I was just, I was just spinning my wheel. So I ask myself this question all the time, what has to be true for me to have X outcome. And when I list out all the things that have to be true for me to have X outcome, it helps me make really strategic decisions in my life. And it's actually decision-making that I feel like is sort of the secret sauce. Like if you were to ask like, what is, what's happening behind the scenes? It's my ability to understand what decisions I need to make and not be necessarily emotionally connected to them. Um, that enables me to start to build my version of an ideal life. Oh man, I love that. That whole, there's a whole other topic just on this idea of decision-making. It's uh, right. it's crazy how so many people either are afraid to make decisions. So they don't make many others make so many decisions. They're like, wait a second. You didn't even, they don't cross over at all. Right. <laughs> right. So I'm kind of curious when you look at that, uh, what are some of the things that are important to you when you're looking at decision-making? Yeah. You know, that's a great, uh, I, I really do always set up this equation. What has to be true for me to have this and this at the same, at the same time. And usually what the decisions come down to for me is, is how do, how am I actually going to be more ruthless with my allocation of time throughout the course of the day? I find most of my big decisions are, are actually decisions I need to make to free up more high quality time in my life. And usually where there's hesitation around those decisions is getting caught up in the headspace of, I should be doing this, or, you know, people expect me to be the one doing this, this, 
thing. I, I actually find those to be the hardest, uh, the hardest decisions that I have uh, going on and that I have to put forth in my, in my life. But I really do feel that um, one of the things I learned to do was self-authorize with respect to decision-making. And what I mean by that, and I, I observed this morning, I'm going to make a vast generalization in female entrepreneurs earlier in their careers and later is we, we have this tendency to outsource decision-making to other people, or we ask permission to, of other people to make a big decision. And I think really learning how to take ownership and responsibility for those decisions and recognizing that I don't have to ask permission from anyone to make big decisions. That was huge for me because it meant that I could move, I could move so much faster. So it was, and again, this question of what work do I have to do internally so that I have the, have the fortitude or the confidence to make decisions that I need to make in my life or business. I did that work behind the scenes so that the decision-making piece wasn't slowed down. Oh man, I love that. I think it's such a critical thing. Uh, and it's the idea as far as decision-making, uh, it's, I look at people who are very successful. It's the ability to make decisions and there's so much emotion <laughs> associated with so many decisions, sure. whether, whichever, whether you're talking about your business, your business, your mindset, your health or people. I mean, there's just so many different things involved. So, um, if a person wanted to find out more about decision-making, what would you encourage them to do? You know what? I feel like one of the biggest insights I had for me around decision-making and the people around me with decisions uh, was actually doing my Colby and getting my, doing my Colby index and recognize, you know what? I'm, I am a quick start. And so when I get the emotional pieces out of the way, I can make decisions quickly. I am married to a fact finder. That is a fascinating situation when you are trying to make decisions as a family, but you know what, having my husband do his, his Colby index, um, which is, you know, for people who don't know an assessment of your cognitive mind, like how you make decisions and move forward. Um, it was, it, it made me so much more patient. I would realize he has different needs to inform his capacity to make, uh, to make decisions. Uh, I would actually start with that. I would understand with what do you need to confidently make a decision? Cause there's nothing like having confidence in decision-making to make you feel good, um, and put you in the right state moving forward. Oh, I love that. So if they want to get Colby, where do you recommend it go? <clears throat> oh, I think it's colbyindex.com is where I would check it out. I bet the Google has some, has some good, <laughs> good starting points around that piece. I love it. So as you take a look at working with these entrepreneurs and business owners and things, um, as we kind of wrap things up, any last minute tips, any things you would encourage them to consider, to do anything else? You know, I would really, I would really encourage everybody to step back and get massively intentional about what do you, what do you actually want out of your life? Like, what do you want to, what do you want to feel? What do you want your legacy to look like? What do you want people to talk about when you're not in the room? And I think when we have clarity around those pieces, it, it, it facilitates for us a whole different level of access and meaning to the work that we do on a daily basis. It enables us to understand all of these elements through a lens of purpose. And when we are working in alignment with purpose, we're actually protecting ourselves physiologically from the stress of the work, the stress of, you know, the soccer schedule and, and the stress of, of trying to, to be at all. Um, so I, I really do encourage people to, to get very intentional about what they want 
in their life and ask that question, what has to be true for me to have all of these things simultaneously? How do you have a life where you can have your cake and eat it too? That is my wish for everyone. Oh, that's such a great, I love that idea. I think, uh, I remember so many years that, uh, the idea of a legacy <clears throat> or my intention it just seems so far away. I never right. thought it was going to ever happen, but I know I appreciate what you're saying. And I think it's something that, uh, the sooner you figure that out, the better things off. They just are. And so whether you're in your 20s or 60s or 70s or 80s, what I don't care where you're at in your life, I think the most important part is to realize that uh, you got to figure that out. The sooner you mm-hmm. figure it out, uh, it starts pushing you down different directions. So I love that. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you absolutely loved all the value of that podcast. Speaking of value right now, one of the things we're really trying to do is over-deliver. And the thing we've seen that has probably created the greatest opportunity for us to over-deliver to all of you, and that is our One Funnel Away Challenge. In fact, you can actually see it at clickfunnelsradio.com forward slash OFA. Again, clickfunnelsradio.com forward slash OFA. If you've gone through the One Funnel Away Challenge in the past, this is something totally new. We started the One Funnel Away Challenge back in 2018, and it is now two and a half years later, we decided to completely redo it. Everything brand new. Simplifying the process, making it just as easy as possible for you to get results quick. Just spend 30 minutes every single day, and what you're going to get is Russell teaching you exactly what you need to do to get your funnel up and running in the next 30 days. So go to clickfunnelsradio.com forward slash OFA and get all the details there. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you soon.